Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory. Fabulous selection of pre owned inventory. That's backed by Sunbury Motors. Great service department. Great deals to be had with a service uh, with a uh, sales staff that will absolutely work with you. It is Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. The last World Series game Mookie Betts played in, he homered as a member of the Red Sox at Dodger Stadium. Now as a Dodger, he does it again. Top of the order, Mookie Betts, first pitch with a fly ball to right field. Heading on back is Renfro at the wall, and it's gone! A home run! Mookie Betts is doing merely everything. A home run, two stolen bases, couple of runs scored, and on the first pitch of the bottom of the sixth, he hits a home run to right. Well, that's Charlie Steiner, by the way, with the call on the Dodgers radio network. So, (laughs) let me give you this uh, look back in time and relate it to now. Mookie Betts being traded by the Red Sox to the Dodgers to me, is the equivalent of the Red Sox trading Beirut to the Yankees. hundred years later, this is a guy who everybody says is a great guy. This is a guy who everybody says is a great teammate. This is a guy who everybody says is great in the clubhouse. This is a guy who everybody says is a five-tool player. He's part of the building blocks of the future of baseball. And you dealt him? (laughs) You traded him? Really? I said it's essentially the same thing I said the day that they made the the deal. (laughs) But my goodness. It is... the Babe Ruth trade all over again. You're John Henry. You're worth a billion dollars. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's a lot of money. You got a 12-year deal out of it, which is really amazing, to be honest with you. 12-year deal. I mean, I I think that that is uh, especially, I mean, and he signed his deal in the pandemic. I mean, 
mean, that's the part that I think is amazing. He signed his deal in the pandemic. That's what I find thoroughly amazing. (laughs) During the pandemic, he signed a 12-year deal. All right. Okay, we've got Penn State, Indiana this weekend. Uh, Indiana is uh, the best Indiana team I've seen in the 28 years I've been in the league. Now, am I saying they're great, a dynasty or anything like that? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying they're very, very good. They're very good. So, I mean, I think that's something that's, you know... But playing at home, I mean, you have to travel. Okay, that's part of it. And Penn State's travel deal might be less. We'll see. I'm I'm interested to see how many players James brings. They're allowed 74. Did I ever tell you the story about player limits in the Big Ten. Ever tell you that story? You did not, no. Okay. This is back in the 2000s. They send out this long memo. There was a point where there's Gatorade, Powerade. Okay. Well, if you're a Powerade school going on the road to a Gatorade school, how do you handle it? Okay, one of those memos. Because it deals with, guess what? Money. So, the solution was, and you probably saw this when you were watching games on TV or maybe if you're at the stadium or at a basketball arena, you would see this. They have a Big Ten jacket that they put over the competing school. So, if the game's being played at Penn State and it's Gatorade and you're Wisconsin and you're a Powerade school... Instead of seeing the Powerade logos all over the Wisconsin sideline, it'd be covered with a Big Ten jacket and everybody can get their beverages. Okay? So this is the gist of the memo. On the bottom of the memo, on the bottom of it, because I saw it, on the bottom of the memo in relatively small print, oh, by the way, you can bring 70 players to road games instead of 66. That week, Michigan played a road game. I can't remember at where they played at. And Michigan only brought 66 players. Because they they called up here and they said, did you see that Powerade Gatorade memo? He said, yeah. He says, we didn't realize until we got back from the game that we, we brought four fewer players than we could have because it's so inconspicuous at the bottom we didn't read it. And I saw it. Maybe they're right. You'd have to like really sit there and really read it, even though I know it's your job to read it and understand it. <laughs> but you sit there. Because the whole memo was about Powerade Gatorade. Then finally at the bottom, the competitive part, the part that makes an actual difference competitively, slipped in. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. 
Oh. That's the world we live in now, Matt. It's the world we live in. Be curious to what happens when you go from a Pepsi Coke situation. If you ever get fans well, back. <laughs> well, that doesn't matter. That's your stadium. This is like oh, I'm talking true. about the, the team has Powerade or Gatorade on their sideline, which, of course, brings with it different companies of even water, for example. Right. Dasani Deer Park. Yeah. And so, you know, so how do you how do you handle that? So they had to handle it. Now, instead of sending out a memo saying, hey, by the way, we've changed the rule. You can go from 66 to 70 players, boom, and then send out a second one on Gatorade Powerade, they incorporated it all in one and did the, <laughs> the competition part as an addendum in the bottom in small print. And I'm not kidding about the small print. It was in small, small print. Ah. <laughs> uh. Welcome to the corporate world. <laughs> now, th- again, this was maybe 15 years ago. Now you're so now you're allowed to bring 74. Uh, you know the sidelines are expanded, so instead of being from the 25 to the 25, the box on the sidelines now the 15 to the 15. Reason being social distancing, which then brings up the next part. You know, Penn State's playing on the road, so we've talked about that. But how many people were Indiana have on the sideline? How many how many people will home teams feel comfortable having on the sideline? How many players? Eighty? Because you're trying to social distance over there as well. Because you try to you know, you can't dress everybody at home. You can't have 125 players dressed, you know. As much as you'd like to, it's not. There's, it's too crowded, too much traffic in there. Okay. And they'll be interested to see what they do about how many players they want to have at home, because that's already a level of conversation to begin with when life is normal. A lot of reaction on our Facebook page to how anti Tua you are. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, they do not. Ooh, man, they are after you. There's one backing you up, though, from the Fitzpatrick family. It's, it's nice of them to chime in. <laughs> I actually had the chance to interview Ryan Fitzpatrick several years ago when he visited the area. He was well, at first of all, First of all, we always talk about the world-famous Wonderlick test. Do you know what he scored in that test? I think he scored 49. Yeah, I, th- I believe that's correct. He scored 49. I actually took the test once. You know that? No. How'd you do? Uh, 44. Hmm. Not bad. Yeah. You're right up there, too. Um. Sue took it. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask his score. He said something about HIPAA laws. I don't know what that means. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Never fails. 
Like, HIPAA laws? How does that apply to your Wonderlick test? Not fully me, stroke. I know people who work at Geisinger. <laughs> That's because Suit Light works there. Hey, what can 1.7 do for you? Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Now, who does Shikolemi play this week? They have Milton for their second no, that's right. Milton. No, that's right. Milton. They beat Milton 14 nothing earlier. That's right. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, now, when do the playoffs start? Depends on where you're at. Um, they could start as <laughs> soon as next week because that'll be actually most likely Seals Grove's case. I believe State High is playing in a playoff game at Altoona this week. I believe that. I don't know about the, if the opponent's correct, but I do think State, you're right about State College being in a playoff game next week. I thought I saw that. Yeah, Friday, Friday night. Yeah. They're, they're playing Altoona at Altoona. And... That's why I'm asking when the playoffs begin here. Yeah, some it's this week, some it'll be the week after. I want to point out, our local high schools deserve a lot of credit. They've been able to pull these games off. Absolutely. Shikolimi hasn't missed any games. Sealands Grove hasn't missed any. Lewisburg hasn't missed any. Milton hasn't missed any. Mifflinburg hasn't missed any. Midwest? They missed any games. Southern Columbia acts like it didn't miss any games. And <laughs> playing on, they act like they didn't. They didn't lose. What was it? Sixteen starters, something like that. <laughs> Just bring the next guy up. Exactly. Now I don't know. I mean, I I'm pretty sure Shikalimi played. I mean, for all we know, you know who was on doing a ghost broadcast. <laughs> Just a. <laughs> I need the award. And for all we know, he's making it up. <laughs> How about the anonymous criticism of the Cowboys, of the coaching staff? Did you see that? Brutal. But as an Eagles fan, I love it. And, that's just, and this just puts the Eagles in an even better spot right now as far as the division goes. You're not even going to beat the Giants. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, you act like you got it made. I, I think the Eagles win tomorrow, but I still think it's a close game. Let's let's not go get let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. And the Giants are coming on. You could just see how about how they played Washington. All right, <laughs> I mean they beat Washington. You didn't. Okay. <laughs> I actually do think the Eagles have a couple of matchup problems with with the Giants, but I still think they're going to beat them tomorrow. Just because Carson Wentz is going to probably is going to make a play at the end. York uh, TV station interviewed me today about Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders. And, of course, the hard part is neither one's playing in the game. But, you know, they're looking for angles and things like that. And I said, sure, I'll do it. So I did it. All right. We'll talk about that internal criticism. Kind of sounds like one of our staff meetings with you-know-who at the front table, just <laughs> lobbing out bombs at everybody. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf online on our Facebook page. John uh, asked Steve, any word about the wrestling season? No, John. So far, we've heard nothing about the wrestling season. Uh, I was talking earlier, John, about basketball and Dick and I were talking yesterday, and he said, well, you know, what about non-conference? I don't know. I did mention a couple of things I knew, but not what date. Uh, you, know, I, you know, what about conference? How many? Only wrestling, we've heard nothing. So far, the only definitive word we've had on winter sports is that men's ice hockey is playing 28 games, 24 in the conference, so four against each opponent and four games against Arizona State. That's the only definitive word we have on any winter sport at Penn State, and they start November 13th. Men's basketball, along with women's basketball, can start November 25th, so we know that. As to how the schedules are configured, don't know. Now wrestling. No date has been given on wrestling at all, John. Nothing. So we don't know about the schedule, we don't know when they're allowed to start. Will it only be Big Ten dual meets? We don't know. There's been no word given on that at all to this point. So we are playing the guessing game just like you and John. As soon as we know about it, we will pass it along to you. Okay. Um, Jane Slater of the NFL Network talked to a couple of Cowboys players. One of them said the team's coaching staff is, quote, totally unprepared. Another unnamed player said they don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. Another Cowboys player said they're just not good at their jobs. Now, I don't know who the unnamed players are here. I've always noticed, yeah, have you ever noticed the most knowledgeable individuals in the face of the earth are either unnamed or anonymous? According to anonymous sources. Oh, jeez. Well, as for being... So we don't know who made these statements, but as for being totally unprepared, and as for they're just not good at their jobs, I watched the team play. You guys are probably part of the problem because you're probably not good at your job. You can uh, that's what I always love. You can talk uh, can schemes be wrong? Yes. Can schemes not quite be right? Yes. Do you miss on a, on, on some calls? Yes. 
Is the fact that most plays don't work because of execution and personnel mistakes? Absolutely. (laughs) But that never gets talked about. They're totally unprepared. Um, You're playing. They aren't good at their jobs. Yes. I'm not here to defend Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff. But I always sit back and say, really? When I hear players privately complaining about what the coaches are or are not doing. Uh, Excuse me. I've said once, I've said a thousand times, one of the biggest reasons for success or failure is execution. Okay, Adam, okay, Jordan Spieth. Do you hear this story? I'm going to tell you a little fun Jordan Spieth story about a club member at Snowmass out in Colorado playing a little practical joke on the three-time major champion. It's not quite up there with the day that we took the shutter out of the suit's bag (laughs) and hit it. And then watch them scramble around trying to find it. It may not be that funny. (laughs) Okay, I admit, our group thought it was funny. For some odd reason, he didn't. Give that thing back. It's my professional club. Did I ever tell you a story about the time I asked friends of mine, I said, you guys ever hear of a shudder? And they all looked at me like I was insane. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Matt's all upset about Antonio Brown. He wants him to be an eagle so badly he doesn't like that the Seahawks are going after him. <laughs> Could not be further from the truth. You're desperate. (laughs) I would rather have John Hightower and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as the two remaining receivers and everybody else hurt than have Antonio Brown join the Eagles. But what if little Luke looks at you and says, Daddy, I just want to win. I said, well, son, Antonio Brown's not going to help the Eagles win. His players have to behave off the field, and uh, he does not. You are, I mean, every time I turn around, I mean, we're getting all sorts of comments here. Everything's negative for me. (laughs) Negative. (laughs) I just give my honest opinion. There you go. I honestly think you're better. No. (laughs) Can we set it up any better than that? No. (laughs) All right. Great to have you with us today on the show. Um, It's tomorrow will be Thursday Night Football, Eagles, Giants, World Series game two tonight. 
Blake Snell goes tonight for the Rays, and then once he gets to his 70-pitch limit, Kevin Cash will come out and Snell will give him a look like, what are you talking about? Uh, Kershaw was great last night. He really was. They won 8-3. Betts was brilliant. Bellinger, another home run for him. Game two again tonight. And, again, Blake Snell gets the ball. Essentially, the A. He and Charlie Morton are the two aces of that staff. And it'll be Tony Gonsolin on the mound uh, for the Dodgers tonight. The right-hander against the lefty, Blake Snell. And Gonsolin... He's got a splitter, a slider, and he's got primarily a fastball. Okay. Uh, now he has not gone beyond three and a third in any game. Okay. Snell, former Cy Young Award winner, first World Series appearance. So let's see if the Rays can tie this thing up again. Last night, credit where credit is due. Clayton Kershaw, who's been panned at times for his work in the postseason, was outstanding last night. Now, with all due respect for Kershaw, I have no dog in the hunt, but Tyler Glass now was pitching last night, former State College Spike. Well, I know him a little bit, so I was rooting for him. Meanwhile, Rob Manfred wants to keep the expanded playoffs and the extra inning rule beyond 2020. Doesn't mean the players will go for it. But they want to keep the expanded postseason format and the extra inning tie-breaking rule moving ahead where they put the runner on second base. Admittedly, after a couple of years of broadcasting that, you got used to it. Now, in the postseason, you notice in the postseason, that doesn't apply. You They play. In the minors, I can understand it. I can remember one night doing a 14-inning game between Hudson Valley and State College. And it was, it rained a little bit before the game, whatever. And it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. So it was maybe about quarter one. The game ended at once. It's about quarter one. I'm sitting up in the booth. And the way we do things is I do the first three innings, the last three innings, and then anything, and I do all extra innings. So... At this point, let's see, so it's the 14th inning, so that means that I've now done, I'm into my 11th inning of doing baseball. It's fine. It's great. I don't care. I do the whole thing. But I remember looking around the ballpark. You know, it was getting, you know, it's, it's, it's chilled down a little bit. I'm looking around the park, and there can't be more than that. Now, the, the night began with about 4,000 people. Well, now it's the 14th inning. It's about quarter of one. And I'm looking around, and it's me, a couple of people in the uh, in the scoreboard booth, the official score, a couple of ushers, and maybe two fans. If you had the rule today where you put the runner on second, you're trying to avoid a situation like that, especially when you're trying to develop players. 
So I can understand that. Now, for the majors, who knows? The players right now are not on board with it, but they haven't really voted on it either. As for the runner on second, like I said, you do get used to the rule. And it does keep you potentially from going deep into the night. Okay. You do get used to it, though. Because when it first came out, I hated it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's right. So, of course, the first game of the season is at State College. They're playing Williamsport at Medler Field, and it gets to extra innings. And now I have to explain the new rule because the person that made the last out in the previous inning starts the next inning on base at second in the 10th inning. So I have to explain it. So I explain it. The crowd's kind of like, okay, really? What's going on here? Williamsport wins the game. And the next night, they're up at Bowman. Well, wouldn't you know, that game's tied and goes to extra innings. So the Spikes put a runner on second base, and the crowd down below the booth, and these are the nicest people on the face. I love these people. Go up to Williamsport six, seven times a year. They're always there. I always I always spend time with them because I enjoy being with them. There's fun people. There's really fun, nice people. They start chanting down below the booth. That's not baseball. They start clapping the hands. That's not baseball. <laughs> now Stanley Espinall hit a two-run homer and the Spikes won it four to two. But I found the reaction interesting. As time goes though, after two years, you got used to it. I'm like, okay, that's part of what's going on. I assume if Major League Baseball did this on a permanent basis, fans would actually get used to it. Just like I think National League fans would get used to the DH. You saw the DH all season long. Did you notice it? I did not, but there you go. That's right. That's the point. Okay? We did a poll of fans. How many of you were really disappointed to not see Aaron Nola hit. Just a quick show of hands. Anybody like who paid, who would pay money? Who would pay money? Not even the Nola family pays money to watch him hit. And you're looking at the World Series, you haven't even thought twice about not seeing the pitcher hit, have you? You just watch the National League playoffs. Or the strategy behind it. Yes, I know. Yes, in Babe Ruth ball, we could do double switches. Okay, you know, I mean, you do not have to be five beta kappa to do it. No, I mean seriously. There's so much more strategy. Oh, in the fifth inning, there's a runner on first with nobody out, and the pitcher's up. Hmm, what might he do? I don't know, Bob. I think he, you know, let's play along with manager Dave Roberts here. I think Kershaw will bunt. No, I, I believe you're you're correct, Steve. I believe Kershaw might bunt. Let's see what he does. And he squares around, and he fouls it off. Third base side, it's 0-1. 
I'd still keep the bunt on. Yeah, so would I. Yeah, there's a lot of strategy in a game like this. The pitcher's up with a runner on first and nobody out. All right, and here's the pitch, and Kershaw drops one down on the third base side. It's picked up by Quintana, throws to first in time. Kershaw's retired, a perfectly executed 1-4 sacrifice bunt that moves Jack Peterson to second base. I can't believe the strategy involved when the pitcher is hitting. Can you? That was a pretty good John Sterling there. That was almost <laughs> exactly his cadence. <laughs> Can you believe the strategy involved? There's so much more strategy. Yeah, I'm sitting there going, he's got a bond. I think he's got a bond. Everybody. <laughs> These guys are taking pictures on a whim anyway. Based on analytics. He's reached the 60-pitch limit. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Take him out. The best chance we got. It's like it's like uh, Doug Peterson going for two all the time. Exactly. Like, no, he went he went for two points. All right, when they had the ball at the forty, it's like no, Doug, Doug, you haven't scored yet. <laughs> he, it's like I just, sometimes I get confused. <laughs> yeah. Now Clayton Kershaw last night. 78 pitches he only threw, and he won six innings. That's fine. Uh, this is what he did last time. Two hits, one run, struck out eight, walked one. Uh, he had pretty good command of his slider last night. He wound up getting 11 swinging strikes on his slider, 19 swings and misses overall. Okay, First 20 pitches, he had one swing and miss. Last 21 pitches, 10 swings and misses. How about that? 78 pitches. Now, remember, he's in terms of velocity, his velocity in the last three years has he has not been able to kick it to another gear. But last night he threw 35 sliders, 31 fastballs, 12 curveballs. And his command was outstanding. He retired 13 in a row, and then Kevin Kiemeyer... Uh, Kiermaier, excuse me, the great defensive center fielder for Tampa Bay. Kiermaier hit a solo homer to make it 2-1. to one. But that was just a great World Series performance by Kershaw last night. And yeah, you're right, 78 pitches. But he was also coming off, remember, he got, remember, he was supposed to start, what, game six? And he got scratched. That's true. I, I forgot he had the injury, yeah. So maybe they, were, so, they didn't want to push him. So they were trying to be smart about it last night. So I have no problem with that. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. Uh, tomorrow, Paul Domowicz will be on the show. And also, Rich Scarcella on Friday. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. Our high school football roundtable is tomorrow, along with Paul Domowich. So we'll get into that. Zach Showers, Greg Wetzel, and a Shikolumi player to be named later. As of now, it is the Chief. Oh, good, because last week... <laughs> 
were going on and on last week, and you know, I mean, here's the issue. I mean, you ask him one question. I mean, I left the room at one point uh, because, uh, and then came back. He was still talking. Now there's some convenience to that, but I mean, it kind of tells you how long the answer was. And you know what really bothers me? It was a yes or no question. Uh, uh, <laughs> gotta give me credit. I'm quick. Patriot reporters would be happy with the with the, the suit. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad somebody is. Glad somebody is. All right. Uh, so tonight the World Series. Tomorrow, Thursday night football, Giants and Eagles. Friday, high school football. And yes, Saturday for the first time this season. Now, let, let me give you a stat. Northwestern's playing this weekend, right? Now, remember, Northwestern last year went 3-9, and nine, which means Northwestern did not go to a bowl game. So do you realize Saturday will be the first time in 47 weeks they played football? How about that? It'll be the first time in 47 weeks that Northwestern's played football. So let's take in the Pac-12, who would have been, well, Colorado would have been at the bottom of the heap last year, right? Colorado really struggled. That means when Colorado opens up on November 7th, it'll be 49 weeks between games. Again, everyone feels fortunate that they get a chance to play. No getting around that. But when you start thinking about it in those terms... Northwestern is going to be 47 weeks. Colorado is going to be 49 weeks. And there will be others in the in the Mountain West that fall into that category as well. Okay. But that's how long it's been for these teams playing now. How long since they've played? It's remarkable. But the bottom line is at least they're playing. Illinois and Wisconsin, by the way, play Friday night. That is the opening game of the Big Ten. It's the 125th season of the Big Ten. It's the 134th season for Penn State football. And the third time ever the Penn State's opened the season with a conference game. They played Minnesota back-to-back 93-94. Ever tell you the story in the 93 game? So 93, they're going to open up with Minnesota. So it's Friday. And also, a breaking news story happens. Uh, you ever go by, Matt, the Unimart on, that is at the intersection of I-99 and 26, or 322. It's actually 322. And uh, 26, 
You ever been by that? Seen it? It's an Exxon station. Um, it sounds familiar. Yeah, I probably so, passed it before. So, so they're building it at the time. They're building it. On this day, a guy with a gun goes to the construction site, fires the gun into the ground a couple times, and then the new everybody shows up. And this standoff goes on for about eight, nine hours. And during the course of the eight, nine hours, people are starting to ask questions. Gee, I wonder if they're going to play the football game tomorrow against Minnesota to open the era of the Big Ten. Finally, the standoff ended. But that's that was the day before the first ever Big Ten game. Ah, the things you remember. Then the next year they went out to the Metrodome and Kajana Carter scored, I think, the second play of the game from like 60 yards out. And that set the tone for the entire season. That was the first of many one-play, two-play, three-play, four-play drives. That's it. We're done. Drive's over. Let's go back to the bench. We have seven points. That team, let me tell you how good that team was. One time, it was in Beaver Stadium. Kajana Carter ran to the right, and he gained three yards. It was like a four-yard game, four-yard game, second and six. And I sat back, and you know what I thought? What the heck went wrong with that play? And then I kicked back, and I thought, what are you, crazy? He gained four yards at second and six. It was an average play. But they were so good, so explosive, he gained four yards. You looked around and said, something wrong out there? With that team, hardly anything was ever wrong. Amazing team, amazing talent. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.